Hey there. We're doing a special set of six Encore episodes over the next two weeks as Dylan gallivants across Finland and Amsterdam and Zach goes through some laptop struggles. We're bringing back some old guest episodes with some of our favorite people. Enjoy this Encore episode with Carly Renee. I like, especially in the early days, like I left a great job and I felt like this huge pressure to prove myself because no one really understood why I was leaving. Like this was like two years ago when I, my work was completely diff- like different and I was just kind of doing portraits as like commissions and like dog portraits and I was okay but I had a long way to go as an artist and I felt like people didn't really believe in me and they were kind of like confused like I would talk to people and they'd be like so you're leaving like this great job to become an artist and they were kind of just like confused by that so I was like in the early days I was just like oh I have to prove myself to these people so I just was working around the clock like not because I loved it but because I was scared and I was just doing it out of like fight or flight like I was in survival mode and I was just working way too much like I was working seven days a week and not only like I wasn't working from a good place like I can work a lot these days because my why is different and I'm doing it out of love and because I'm excited and I'm like motivated and driven by like the end goal and the whole journey to get there but in 2020 it was like I was doing it out of a place of fear and that didn't last long I like it took me probably like eight months to like fully burn out and I just got to the point I just remember this one one day I was just sitting at the kitchen table and I just was like zoning out and I was like I can't keep going like this and I've got to I've got to figure out a way to keep going if this is what I want because this is not healthy I was there with my mom and she just was listening to me and she just said I think Carly like you need to give this a go like you need to give it a good go you've decided to do this and I think that you need to like for yourself you need to keep going so I, I went on this journey of like stripping everything back and you know I didn't post for a little while I just took everything else away and just started doing it for my love. That was Carly Renee. She's an Australian visual artist specializing in large-scale hyper-realistic charcoal drawings. Carly sat down with us today to talk about finding the right artistic headspace, navigating the highs and lows of creation, and the fact that sometimes You need to redo an artwork several times before it's truly complete. Carly's chatting with us today from the sunny beaches of Lennox, New South Wales, Australia, and we really, truly appreciate the time that she gave us. Without further ado, this is Carly Renee. Creativity for the The Process Podcast. It's the Process Podcast, episode 379, and Zach, today is probably the coolest episode that we may ever have. (laughs) Today, we're joined by, I don't even know like how you can begin to introduce you, but you're an Australian visual artist specializing in large-scale hyper-realistic charcoal drawings. Carly Renee, (laughs) welcome to the Process Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, both Zach and I are very excited. We've been talking about this. We've been talking about hopefully getting you on the podcast for a long time. And so to, to kick things off, I want to tell you a story about how I came across, um, your content Mm -hmm. and what has spurred us on to where we are today. 
Amazing. So this is in, I want to say this is in like maybe November or early December, 2021. Yeah. And I just moved into my apartment and I had like, I had zero furniture and all I had was my laptop at my desk and I'm just on my phone scrolling through YouTube and a YouTube short pops up and it was one of your shorts. <laughs> um, 40 seconds drawing, I think you were drawing two Jaguars or Jaguars and that was, oh yeah. That was the video. So I'm like, okay, let me watch this. Came up and I was like, okay, that's cool. Kept swiping and then another one popped up. So then I thought, okay, the algorithm is feeding me this content. Went to your channel, started watching a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm like, she only has 9,000 subscribers. How is this possible? There needs to be like way more. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this. I'm looking at the, I'm watching these videos and then I brought it up to Zach on the podcast and I said, Zach, I've just found these videos. It's, it's making me want to get back into drawing artistically again. I want to do all this stuff. Like we need to get her on the podcast. He's like, yeah, we, we can try that. Why not? And then here we are today. Here we are. Fast forward, <laughs> fast forward three, four months. That's so that's amazing. how I discovered you just completely wow. organically yeah. I um, love that. through the power of the internet. Yeah. Well, that's exactly kind of when I started YouTube. Like I, I started posting regularly in November and yeah. So every week since November I've posted on YouTube, but that was at the very, very beginning of that. So yeah, that's amazing. Wow. We got you right at the beginning. And I, I remember, I remember saying to Zach, I said, I think this is like right around Christmas time. I said, wouldn't it be cool if like she, like if Carly can come on the podcast and she's got like 10,000 subscribers, that's 10,000 people that love what you do. Yeah. And then we checked back maybe two weeks later and it's like 15 or 16. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, where did all these people come from? I know. It's kind of crazy. It's all blowing up at the moment. It's, yeah. It's exciting. Has, is that a tricky thing for you to like mentally tackle? Is that um, growth? Yeah, it was in the early days. Like um, I first started going viral on like TikTok, maybe like mm -hmm. a year or two years ago. And my videos were like getting millions of views. And I just was like, oh my wow. gosh, this is crazy. But um, yeah, no, I try not to think about it too much. It almost doesn't feel real. Like it's just a number. And like, I mean, I don't know. It's just, I just try, try not to think about it too much. <laughs> Otherwise I'll, I'll just be into my head too much. I wouldn't end up posting <laughs> anything. I'll just, yeah, be a perfectionist. But yeah. yeah. You've got to really enjoy the work that you're doing. And if you enjoy what you're doing, the people who are subscribing to you and the people who are watching yeah, your stuff yeah. will enjoy it by 100%. virtue. Yeah, I totally agree. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, for, for the sake of understanding and getting some context, I want to take, we'll, we'll go back in time a little bit, maybe to when you're a kid mm -hmm. and look at, for you as, as, a, as a child growing up, what was your relationship with creativity as a kid? Were you a were you the kid that was always drawing in class or were you more of a, no, I'm just going to go do my thing and then mm -hmm. art kind of found its way in later? What was that like? Uh, no, 100%. I was the kid always drawing in class. <laughs> nice. I was just, I'm always just been very like um, kind of free spirit. Like I, I remember like just recently I talked to one of my teachers from my year two class. Like I just ran into her and, and I said to her, was I always like, creative like could you tell from an early age that I was creative and she said yes like 100% you can always pick out the kids that are just a little bit different and she was like you were just such a dreamer like from even year two like you just weren't like the other kids and I felt like that always in class just like oh just 
didn't really absorb like a whole lot of the lessons and like I feel like when I'm interested in something I will learn it and like no one will know it better than me but like if I'm not interested in it or if there's no reason to be like learning it I don't really pick it up so like throughout school I feel feel like there's a few gaps in my like education because I wasn't interested in what I was learning or I didn't understand why I should know it so yeah I guess like growing up I've always just been like really um just always loved being with my friends and just focused on like um building emotional relationships with people and then the art kind of came later I was just kind of I was always doing creative things whether it's drawing or like my mom is an artist as well so grew up like doing pottery with her and just like painting and yeah um my my siblings are all super creative too and musical uh so I thought like growing up that everyone grew up like that I didn't realize until I became an adult that most people don't actually um experience that kind of environment you know so yeah mm-hmm. definitely very creatively driven from yeah from a very early age yeah wow <laughs> that's I, I shouldn't say it's it's not surprising that you grow up to be this this creative individual when mm. you're surrounded by all this other creative stuff yeah like uh, your mom doing the pottery your siblings being musically inclined and artistically inclined. Yeah. Um, I think for myself and Zach though, it's, it was very different where we were the art kids in our high schools. We were the art kids in our families, but the rest of our friend group or the rest of even the rest of our families aren't, uh, traditionally artistic, I would say. Yeah. Um, and maybe there's, and the way that I think I've like, we've kind of looked at that is, almost as if it's the void of mm. that artisticness that yeah. makes us want to chase that. And that's why we've, I think that's why we are where we are today. Cause we, we weren't surrounded by that growing up, but we did like it when we could yeah, experience it. Totally. So now we're like, we want more. Yeah, of course. So your mom, your mom is, your mom's into pottery. Does your dad do any creative work at all? Yeah. So my mom and dad did pottery together when, like in the 70s or something um and they like yeah they like fell in love doing that which is really sweet and that's adorable yeah they got into like Japanese glazes and they got really technical with all of it so they like wanted to set up their own pottery business and all of that so that was like a lifelong dream they never got to do it but my mom ended up becoming um an art teacher like a high school art teacher um and my my dad was a teacher as well so they ended up having four kids and then that kind of took all of their time so they didn't end up doing, you know, an art business or anything, but my mom's like an oil painter as well. So she wow. used to exhibit a little bit, but her work is like super abstract. It's just completely different to mine. But um, yeah, I guess, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Did, and about the, did the, say the difference between abstract and what you would do, which I think you've called it like hyper-realistic charcoal drawings. Yeah. Was there ever an was there ever an attraction for you to do abstract work in itself, or were you always drawn towards the realism in art? Yeah, I think yeah, I, I'm incredibly drawn to abstract work. I think it's it's a completely different mindset. Like as an artist, when you're doing abstract work, you kind of go into this kind of like flow state, and it's it's really relaxing. But whereas when you're doing hyper realistic work, it's very um mentally straining you've got to be in the right mindset and you've got to be like you've kind of got to have your wits about you because there's just so much detail that you've got to get in there and 
you can't just like let yourself go you've got to really be super focused so like it's always been my kind of passion to merge the two like use the abstract and the realistic stuff because as much as I love realism I feel like there is kind of a point where it does start to get a little bit boring and like repetitive and I do want to bring more to an artwork than you could do with a photo so um yeah I guess that's my like long-term goal is to combine the two styles and use my backgrounds a bit as an abstract kind of background and then yeah do the portrait in there as well but um yeah that's kind of my long-term goal is to combine the two because I yeah I have a lot of respect for abstract artists and it's hard like online you see people like I see some amazing TikTok creators who are like doing amazing abstract work and I can really appreciate what they're doing and you go to the comments and see that everyone's like oh I could do that or my three-year-old could do that and it's really like offensive and I I have so much respect for abstract artists and it's not easy because there really is nowhere to hide. You've just got like line and shape and that's it. The simplicity of that is just so hard to, yeah, get right. So yeah, I I have a lot of respect for them. Yeah. 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 It's always one of those things, right? It's people, a lot of people don't get the, uh, the abstract kind of view of things. I mean, I, I mean, we did, we didn't really do, I haven't done much in my past, but even us in, I mean, Dylan in design school, first year doing a little bit of abstract kind of art mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. And even, even we went through the same, the same yeah. process of looking at a piece when the, when the professor's like, try and do something like this. <laughs> and we think, oh, it's just a bunch of lines. Yeah. And then I you know. do, you just put a bunch of lines on the page and you're like, does <laughs> mine look nowhere near as good as this one? Um, yeah. And then that's when you, you learn that appreciation yeah like oh okay so no there's much more to this than yeah than totally. just lines or something yeah yeah it's a skill it is it is it is a skill and i like i like what you said carly where you said it's it's a very vulnerable mm. type of artwork to create because like the way that i look at abstract art is that it's very expressive of the creator but it's also at say posing a question to the viewer of Mm -hmm. like, what do you see in me? Mm -hmm. And if the answer to that question is nothing, it's pointless. I don't get it. Well, then that's, that's kind of like, you're saying that in a way to the artist. It's like, I don't get what you're doing. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then maybe it's like, Oh, I, well, maybe I didn't do my job properly. And yeah, I couldn't imagine being an abstract artist. That would, that would tear me up. I know. Yeah. And yeah, there really is nowhere to hide. It's yeah. It's this simplicity of, yeah shapes and stuff mm-hmm. it's just and it really adds something to the space as well I find I, I often look at I follow a lot of like interior design pages and stuff I'm constantly absorbing like interior stuff because I want my work to feel like it would sit in any of those situations but mm-hmm. um re- yeah often I see a lot of abstract art in really high-end homes because it really adds to the space and I don't know it just kind of gives something that um hyper-realistic work doesn't really have so yeah, it's yeah. really beautiful in its own right. It yeah. is. And there's there's always there's the other there's the like the flip side of the coin with hyperrealism work where you say you spend 6 months on a piece mm-hmm. and it's as hyperrealistic as you possibly can and it's the highest echelon of the work that you're able to create. Yeah. And then someone in the comment section says, "Well, you could have just taken a photo." Yeah. <laughs> Why wouldn't you have done that? Yeah. Like, well, that's not the point. Yeah, that's it. I, yeah, I personally don't have patience for six month drawings, but 
Um, I know that I am sometimes grouped into that hyper-realistic community on Instagram. There's a few of us that we're all kind of friends and they are like insane hyper-realist artists and they, they draw from like 4K photos and they spend months on a piece and I like have so much respect for them. Like I love what they do, but I personally couldn't <laughs> spend that long. I, yeah. The longest I've spent is like maybe a month like on an, on an artwork uh-huh. and that was like in my big cat kind of phase um, just because the fur would take so long. But these days I'm, I'm putting out an artwork every two, three weeks, which is pretty quick. Like, yeah, considering they're so huge. I, I just kind of love the turnover. I love keeping it fresh and having something new to look at and, you know, just get, getting a body of work out there rather than spending months and months on just one artwork. But that's just, mm-hmm. that's just me personally. Do you call yourself a perfectionist? Um, not generally as a person, I'm definitely not, I couldn't care less about a lot of things, but when it's my work, yes, 100%. I will look at an artwork and be like, it's just never right. Like still, like I'm so proud of the work that I do, but I'm still like, it could be better. Like it always could be better. And I really have such a high standard of myself. Um, but not in, in every other area of my life, like, no, <laughs> I'm pretty okay. yeah, easygoing. That's fair enough. That's a very Australian thing is to just, just to be very yeah. laid back and very easygoing. You live by the ocean. We get it. We're jealous. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's cold here. It's not cold there. We get it. Not by the Don't ocean. Don't rub it in. Yeah. No, I know. Yeah. yeah. Is, there a, is there a, is there a, a point in which you can like look at your work and know like, okay, I'm done. I can step back. Like, how do you deal with that kind um, of, you know, perfectionist inside that you're like, I, I need to keep going. It's never, it's not finished, right? It's not how I want it to be, but then still kind of be able to be like, no, I need to finish mm. it. It needs to get done. I need to stop doing that. Yeah. I mean, knowing when to stop is like a huge skill within itself and something that I'm still figuring out and trying to like hone that skill when it's within itself because really often like one of my favorite parts of the whole process of creating these is the initial like laying down of the charcoal and blocking in those like initial shapes and like tones and stuff and I feel like that part within itself is so rewarding and it's just so um like raw almost and it's just kind of charcoal and paper nothing else and it's just that initial laying down but um, yeah, just there's always a part where like it's starting to look really good and like I feel like it's going in the right direction and then I might overdo it in certain parts and that is really, really hard to come back from, especially with charcoal. Like it's not like a painting where you can just paint over it and just keep doing layers. It's with a charcoal drawing, there's such a fine line that you've got to like go up until a point and then after that point you can't really erase anymore. So um yeah with that part with fi- finishing an artwork I think these days I'm I'm working on a few pieces at a time rather than one piece at a time so there's not that huge pressure on that end phase I can kind of work up until a point and then continually like add slowly and that kind of takes the pressure off overdoing it and I'll constantly like have them on the walls so I can see where they're up to and maybe one day I'll just see it differently and it'll kind of all make sense and I'll know like what the artwork needs to be finished but that is yeah definitely a really big part of what I'm trying to yeah learn at the moment is just when to stop and when to yeah add more yeah 
is yeah. is that a strategy or like a work flow that you've kind of learned and adopted recently or is that like a way you've been working for um, a long time like able to is it because of kind of the the transition to YouTube and having to or wanting to you know release a video every mm, week has yeah. that kind of affected that way you work where you're like okay I need to work yeah. on a on a few at a time to make sure <laughs> get done or Yeah, no, a bit of both. I think I've always done that. And I do things that I didn't realize I was doing. Like I have kind of always done that in the back of my head and always felt like, is it finished? Is it not finished? Um, But it's definitely come out more since I've made the switch over to portraits again. Um, And I've had like an art mentor kind of help me a little bit um, in seeing my work from a third kind of perspective rather than being so in the work and just absorbed in my own process that like he really helped me to step outside of my work and see it from his point of view and I mean he's a really established artist here in Australia and like he's just got some amazing point of views on that and he yeah he really helped me to see that like yeah maybe you did overdo it or um yeah just go really gently Carly don't rush it like that kind of stuff but yeah I guess I was always pretty um I was holding back with YouTube for a really long time because I felt like the pressure of creating one artwork every week. I was like, that's not, not possible unless the artwork is kind of smaller. So I was like, I'm only going to post on, I'm only going to post on YouTube like long term if I can do a video a week, because I knew that like consistency is key when you're building on social media. So I never did social media. Uh, I never did YouTube. And then when I realized that, Oh my gosh, I can just do like, a week in my life every week and whatever the um point the artwork is up to that's just where I'll end the video and that was really freeing for me because it was just like I don't have to have an artwork finished for a video and I can just yeah document whatever I've been doing that week so yeah just I definitely took the pressure off to just post whatever I'm doing in a week I really like the way you um have broken down and even in the way that you explained how you're going through the YouTube video making process, because mm. like myself and Zach, we were big YouTube people, watch more YouTube than TV. I think a lot of people do these days. Yeah. But, and we follow a lot of artists. Um, I'm a big fan of Andrew Tischler, who's out of, I think he's in the South Island of New Zealand, and he does a lot of oil painting videos. And he's doing these large scale pieces. And there's a video that's coming out every single week or every okay. few days. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, how is this possible? Like as an aspirational artist saying, oh, I want to be able to make artwork and also be able to do YouTube at the same time and share that journey. Yeah. If I'm trying to do one piece of artwork that is valuable and has meaning and is mm. up to my level of standards each week and make a video on top of that, that's <laughs> almost unsustainable. It's like, trying to run before you can even walk yeah but I think what you're talking like what you're talking about here is slowing that down but keeping the consistency where you are going Mm -hmm. you're almost taking the audience with you inside of the studio and they get to follow along Mm -hmm. with the process of creating yeah your various pieces of work yeah and it's not just this is piece this is piece a Mm -hmm. this is what I did to get through it yeah it's this is a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. This is like, it shows, maybe it shows the imperfections in any artist's day. Yeah. 
Yeah, like that's there's right. always maybe there's the the thought that you get up super early in the morning and you work for 16 hours and then you go to bed and then you sleep and then you wake up and you do it all over again. Mm -hmm. And somehow in that, in that you make a YouTube video. Yeah, that's good. But that's not entirely the truth. Sometimes maybe there's, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe there's days where you spend more time on artwork than other days. Some yeah. days maybe you're, you're coming up with ideas or taking reference photos. It's not, art a thousand percent of the time yeah 100 percent. and I guess like what you were saying about you know the process and stuff I guess um I I guess I started doing these this style of video because that was what I was wanting to watch as a viewer on YouTube and I I watched this girl um she lives in this like tiny house in the mountains I think in the U.S. Anyway, oh, wow. she's just like lives completely off grid and she just does this style of video that is just so relaxing to watch and I would always watch it before bed and it's just like so normal to her but like so exotic for me because she's like in the snow and just like making a life and it was just, yeah, it was just her life and whatever she was getting up to and I was kind of like, I just don't feel like that really exists like for artists and although like sometimes I look at my videos and I'm like, who's going to watch this? Like it's so boring. But I don't realize that it's just so normal for me to like live this life, whereas someone else lives a completely different life. And this is actually interesting to them. So I just I would just say, yeah, um, if anyone's like thinking of starting something, just start it because you never know like who's going to be interested in like just definitely don't overthink it. And I mean, yeah, I <laughs> I reckon my stuff is kind of boring, but um, people kind of seem to like it. So <laughs> you just never know. Yeah. yeah. I think people I think people like it a lot and Yeah. Maybe there's a sense of you were talking about how your your art mentor is teaching you to kind of step back and mm. look at your work from a third perspective per se. Yeah. Or a purely objective perspective. Maybe as YouTube evolves and your style of video content continues to evolve mm -hmm. and the work that you're doing continues to evolve, maybe that's a future learning that's going to take place where yeah. you learn to look at videos that you're making in the same way that you're looking at your artwork. Yeah. Just to Zach and I talk about this a lot, but just getting out of our own way with yeah, something totally. where we spend hours looking at a piece of paper and mm. like I do a lot of drawing for work and sometimes it just doesn't, it's not looking the way I want it to look and I don't understand why. Yeah. And then Zach's like, well, you're, you're probably in your own way too much. Yeah, of course. And he's like, yep, yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah, it. Yeah, no, I can a hundred percent relate. And I have done that so much in the past and yeah, I just kind of, I have to stop thinking about it. Otherwise I just get in my head too much and no, yeah, like a hundred percent agree. So yeah, getting out of your own way, that's a massive point. Yeah. Just how do you, how do you, how do you attempt because to get out of your out out of your own way, you have to acknowledge it. Mm. You have to understand that yeah, I'm in my own way. Yeah. But then, how do you, in your in your own personal experience, how do you do that for yourself? How do you get out um, of your own way? Yeah. Well, usually, if I'm if I'm in my own way, I'm not doing it because I love it or because of my love for it. I'm doing it because I'm worried about you know, what other people are thinking of me or if, if everyone's going to like this or I'm constantly, like, if I'm in that headspace, I'm in the wrong headspace. I'm like, 
thinking too much about what everyone else is going to think. And that's not even why I do it. Like I never started this because I wanted recognition or I wanted people to say things. I, I did this because I felt that I was being true to myself by becoming an artist. And my favorite headspace is when I'm just lost in an artwork, like in the studio by myself, just for hours on end, just in doing it, like just in the flow state. And that is just my favorite part about everything I do. And it's, it's not even the end result. It's getting there. Like it's like the climb. And so I guess like if I'm overthinking it too much, I often just, yeah, have to like take a step back and just allow myself to fall in love with it again. And often like it's too late with an artwork if I've overdone it, like, or if I'm overthinking it. So I'll often just start again, which I think is really valuable because you learn so much the first time around and then you can take all of that and make it even better. And I think that's something that I, I came to because of, um, you know, that artist, Edward Monk, the Norwegian painter, he did the screen, that yes, really famous yes. artwork. He did that artwork like three or four times, I think. And, and the one that was really famous wasn't even his first attempt. So I just always keep that in the back of my mind that, you know, if I want to create an amazing artwork, I might have to do it a few times to for it to reach its best, you know? Yeah. That's actually, that's <laughs> really interesting because, like, I feel like Dylan and I can definitely relate to that, maybe in a different way, but, yeah, like, with us being in design school, that was one of the things I think hit us really hard mm. in first year was, yeah. like, us coming from, you know, like, a high school art background and then going, stepping into more of a design way of sketching and thinking and when we would kind of mess up you know we were forced to essentially force a sketch and pen and like yeah. oh my god we can't erase anything anymore we mess <laughs> up we're like oh what do we do and then the teacher's like well I guess you're gonna start again and to us that was like such an that was an abstract idea right yeah. that was like so terrifying that you could be totally. almost finished a sketch and then you kind of mess yeah. it up or you overdo it and then you gotta start again but I feel like we never had it that idea taught to us in the mm, words it was something yeah. that we over time over years realized which was like the way you worded it was like once you do it one time then you you can learn mm. from screwing up that first time and take yeah. Yeah. you know everything from that and apply it to the next time you you tackle yeah. that sketch or that painting um yeah I thought that was yeah. interesting I've never like actually <laughs> thought about it, it like yeah i'm putting in words like that but i feel yeah, that's a lesson like, at least we definitely learned and you know definitely had to apply yeah no i, fi I find that it's a super like valuable idea and i actually like it it goes over like everything it goes over business and everything and people just i always hear people say like if you want a successful business you just got to fail fast like just get those really initial um, prototypes or whatever out there and just get through it and stop overthinking it because yeah as creatives you just want it to be perfect and you just want it to be everything you imagined but if you can just get those early ones out of the way and um, this is something my my mentor said as well like life drawing like just get in front of a, a, a real model and just do the minute poses and the, the five minute poses and that's really challenging for someone like me because I am so methodical about how I'm like laying out a portrait and there's such a, yeah, like the process of bringing an artwork together is takes time. So when you go and just sit in front of a life model and just draw them for like 20 seconds, a minute, it just forces you to get out of your head 
and just put something down and you, you just you literally can't overthink it so yeah stuff like that is super valuable I find just to get past that initial um, hurdle of starting a project and getting the ball rolling mm. yeah yeah do you ever um do you ever hit get like a, a creative block and I, um, maybe I don't know if it's maybe worse with um or more frequent with having a youtube component to it and feeling like okay you've you've gotta you know create content or you gotta do something that you can put in a video <laughs> for that week because i know again like another one of our profs in school that we had i remember him talking about like to me about he was he was a car designer his name is bruce we've mentioned tons of times but he he would say you know when he would go into he used to be a designer for ford and he would go into work mm. and that was when it kind of hit him like it's a it's a job or it's you know it's a it's a career it's something like you have a deadline to achieve something yeah. and it's a weird kind of like juxtaposition of mm. thought when it's creative but there's yeah. a deadline and the way he put it in words was like you have to like turn your creativity switch on Mm-hmm. You know, you got to get up every day yeah, and you got to be creative. Yeah, totally. And as a lot of people, create, probably every creative knows, some mm-hmm. days you just can't flip the switch, <laughs> right? Do you ever have yeah. those days where you just, you start something um, and nothing's going? You're like, hey, I got to step yeah. back for a day or something like that? Well, I mean, yeah, like in ways for sure. Like I think it was even just last Friday. I was like, oh, I'm just not motivated today, which is pretty huge for me. Like I, I just... I always want to be doing this. I, I'm like in the studio all the time and I love it. But some days I'm just like, and I'm physically tired as well because the artworks are so huge. I'm often sore from like, you know, hunching over it and, you know, whatever. But yeah, like there are days where I'm like, um, I don't know, it just usually means I need a day off and just, yeah, just get out of my head a bit. But um, yeah, I can't remember what I was going to say. <laughs> What was the question? Do I? Oh, creative blocks. Yeah, no. Um, last year I was doing the big cats and I, I mean, I was enjoying it, but I think I definitely hit a wall with them and I was kind of like, this isn't um, challenging me anymore. And it, it also wasn't really speaking to me as a person, that series, because there are parts of that series that really, really re- resonate with me. And, you know, it talks about going after what you want in life and and being kind of you know, having the same energy, but I think the the work that I'm doing now is definitely more feminine and it's very like heaps softer and it kind of speaks to my, more my personality and my style as well as an artist. So I think the changeover has been just so refreshing and I, I don't think I realized how burnt out I was from that whole idea. Um, but yeah, like with the deadline every week, I thought that it would be too stressful, but it actually has been really motivating because it's like, oh my gosh, I've got to have something together. I have to get something together for Wednesday because I I edit on Wednesdays and, you know, like most weeks I'm like, oh my gosh, like I don't have anything. And so I'll just spend like all day, Monday, Tuesday, just drawing and creating and like doing a little piece to camera and just getting enough for a story, you know? So I think, my productivity like after doing YouTube and having that weekly deadline has just I think gone through the roof like I I'm getting so much done and although my workload is just huge now because now I do YouTube Instagram TikTok 
and whatever else and then creating the artworks and editing everything I think it's like weird when you're super busy you're like more productive like you actually like you know when you have like not much to do you're just like oh yeah I'll just kind of cruise through it when you have like so much to get through and you know you have commitments and um like people are sponsoring a video like <laughs> you're like okay I've got to get it together and so like I'm in here on a Sunday like just getting enough um, content so that I have something to show for <laughs> my week so yeah I like I think that deadlines are really good for creatives because we can often just be like yeah whatever everything's gonna be fine just a bit blase um yeah I love it I love a deadline personally <laughs> that's really interesting you're making you're making the deadlines work for you instead of the other way around yeah totally and it's motivating for sure mm -hmm. yeah I think that's a very positive way to reframe a deadline as well because it's like we Zach and I would have deadlines all the time in school okay by the end of the week mm. do this by the end of the semester have this model ready to go yeah do this presentation and it's always we're always producing work to hopefully satisfy that deadline and hopefully get it done beforehand because god forbid you hand it in after the deadline and you're losing marks in the case of education. If you hand, if you post a video that's supposed to be sponsored and you tell say Squarespace, cause I think mm -hmm. you just brought Squarespace on board with, with yeah. your work as well. Right. Yeah, I did. Yeah. If you post a video a day late, I have no idea how it works because we're not sponsored and that's, that's a whole, that's a whole <laughs> other kettle of fish, Yeah. but I can't imagine it's a positive thing. If you post a video a day late, right. No, For <laughs> But you have that burning mm. like all the time knowing that, okay, this this is there. This has to be done. Yeah. But the work to get to that point is, even though, yes, it is hard, it's still enjoyable and it's challenging you. Mm. And that's probably also what adds to that benefit of being able to work towards a deadline. Yeah, totally. Where it's, it's exciting. You don't dread having to do that, even though I'm sure – like maybe there's days where you feel less excited about it than others. I think I have that with work and I love my job, but there's some days where I don't want to do it. Yeah. There's other days where I don't want to stop doing it. Yeah. But it's knowing that you have the ability to do that. Yeah. That allows you to just go and run with it. And I mean, there's plenty of days as well where I, I really don't want to, and I have to because I've got all these commitments and it's just like that initial 10 15 minutes getting into it I'm like there's so much resistance there's so I like really don't feel like doing this I'm so tired like I didn't get enough sleep like I'm sore <laughs> and then like after about 15 minutes I'm kind of like in the zone and I now I'm like in it and I'm enjoying it and I've gotten past that initial hurdle of like initiating you know starting the project and then once you're in there like you don't want to leave <laughs> it's 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 a weird switch that happens but often just starting is the hardest point. And yeah, once you get past that. Definitely. Explodes. Yeah. This was, this was something that I learned about um, when I did my internship in Australia and it was this thing called the tall poppy syndrome. Oh yeah. And I, I had like in, in Canada, North America in general, it doesn't really exist at really? all. If wow. someone, I think it does exist, but it's not exactly uh, vocalized. Yeah. You know, someone, if like 
a bunch of our friends have started to get jobs now and a bunch of our friends are experiencing success and we're all very happy about that and we do our best to celebrate them as best we can. Yeah, it's amazing. But it is it is amazing, but yeah. I think the tall poppy syndrome is the tallest poppy is the one that gets cut. Yeah. And I don't know whether it's just an Australia and New Zealand thing, but as someone starts to experience success, that's when all the people come out of the woodwork and try and and cut you down. Have you had any experience with that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, like I think even just on the weekend, like when I'm out with my friends and people kind of ask that question, like, what do you do for work? <laughs> I hate talking about it. Like I, I hate talking about, like I'm so proud of my work and what I do for a living, but I hate like telling strangers about myself because it's kind of like a sales pitch, isn't it? Like, kind of got to like sell yourself and then they want to see your Instagram and they want to see your work. And then there's this whole conversation. And I like, I feel very overwhelmed by that whole thing. And so often I'll just say, Oh, like I'm a videographer or like, I'll just, I don't want to go down that route. Like I don't want to talk about it because sometimes there is a, like a bit of an energy that's like, Oh, like you think you're better than me, like that kind of thing. And I would never want anyone to feel like that's how I think of myself because it's not and you know I would hate for people to feel like that so yeah like I definitely avoid talking about it if I can avoid it which is sad because you know it's my work and it's what I'm passionate about but yeah and like I will see like friends like old friends and stuff and they'll they'll be like to me oh like how's your little art business going like kind of talk (laughs) down to me as if I'm like doing a little hope like a little crafty hobby side thing like and it's just yeah the energy can be kind of weird and and yeah it's it's a bit of a shame but like when I meet people from like the US and like Canada and all over like people are so supportive and just so over the top with their like um compliments and it's very very humbling and I like yeah I find it hard to um deal with all of that but it's just so nice sometimes to hear the support and to hear people like really loving it. So it means a lot to me when people go out of their way to be really encouraging and stuff. But yeah, I think in Australia <laughs> it can be a bit, yeah, disappointing the way people kind of like want to bring you down and bring you to like their level. But often it's just an indication of their own insecurity or their own desire to do something creative and, and you're kind of showing them what they're not, I guess in a way so yeah I often just try and have a lot of um sympathy for people like that because it's not yeah they're not trying to do it they just probably maybe intimidated or just yeah it's yeah like you said it's it's a it's projection of where they want to be but they're not yeah it's probably because they either a don't know how to do it don't know they're capable of doing it yeah or just aren't willing to put in the hard hours and the dirty work to be able to get there because it's not it's not like an overnight thing that you can just sit down start doing a bunch of drawings Mm. and at the end of a month say I have I now have a body of work yeah it's like no you have a you have a collection of drawings yeah you're five steps down the Mm -hmm. thousand step path to get to the point yeah. Where you can say, I have a body of work. Yeah, that's it. And that's also a hard pill for people to swallow when you say, 
okay, you've done, you've done a good amount of work. That's great. But now you need to ramp things up and continue doing that. You need to keep pushing that boundary. You need to keep yeah. pushing yourself artistically, creatively, personally mm. to get to that point. Cause that's how growth happens. Right. Yeah. And that's the hardest point, like showing up creatively, not, not just over a month or two months. It's like over years like that is just so difficult and no one really like talks about that, but like the amount of times that I've, I've had some really, really low points as an artist over the last, like I started this in 2018 and left my full-time job in 2020. And since I've been doing it full-time, it's just been like a roller coaster. And I mean, I, I only share the good parts, but um, there has been probably two really significant points where I just genuinely thought about giving up. And I just was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. I'm sad. Like, I, and no one really talks about that, but yeah. Um, can be really challenging. It's the reality of being an artist and being a creative and putting yourself out there where it's the whole fact that social media is 99% of the successful part of people's lives that they want other people to see. Yeah. And a hard, like there's a, there's a challenging point where people find it hard to relate to other people because person A on the internet has this and they have that and they have this and there's no net, there's no bad days. Everything's sunshine and rainbows <laughs> yeah. and you live by the ocean. Yeah. But that's, I'm going to keep bringing that yeah. up. <laughs> I love it. But, it, but it's not exactly, it's not the case. Like, and that's one thing that this whole podcast has been very cathartic for Zach and I, where mm. we were able to talk to each other about the bad days that we were having creatively, yeah. because it's a very, it's, it's very, like, it feels like it's around you on all sides when yeah. your creative passion isn't fulfilling you the way that it did last week or yeah. a few days ago. You're like, something's wrong. Something's so you right. can feel that. Yeah, totally. How do you, how do you kind of deal with those without exposing what the low moments are, but what goes on in your head when you're experiencing those things? How do you, how do you talk to yourself? Um... Well, I have, I have a really good like support system. I have, I'm really, really close with my family and I have about four or five like super close girlfriends and they just believe in me so much. Like they're my biggest fans and that is probably, I can probably attribute most of my like continuing to like those people around me, which is just so great. But yeah, like I guess it always gets to a point where you're just like, I like especially in the early days like I left a great job and I felt like this huge pressure to prove myself because no one really understood why I was leaving like this was like two years ago when I, my work was completely different like different and I was just kind of doing portraits as like commissions and like dog portraits and um like I was okay but I had a long way to go as an artist and I felt like people didn't really believe in me and they were kind of like confused. Like I would talk to people and they'd be like, so you're leaving like this great job to become an artist. And they were kind of just like confused by that. So I was like, in the early days, I was just like, oh, I have to prove myself to these people. So I just was working around the clock, like not because I loved it, but because I was scared and I was just 
doing it out of like fight or flight. Like I was in survival mode and I was just working way too much. Like I was working seven days a week and not only like I wasn't working from a good place. Like I can work a lot these days because my why is different and I'm doing it out of love and because I'm excited and I'm like motivated and driven by like the end goal and the whole journey to get there. But in 2020, it was like, I was doing it out of a place of fear and um, that didn't last long. I like, it took me probably like eight months to like fully burn out. And I just got to the point, I just remember this one, one day I was just sitting at the kitchen table and I just was like zoning out and I was like, I can't keep going like this. And I've got to, I've got to figure out a way to keep going if this is what I want, because this is not healthy. And, um, yeah, I just, I was there with my mom and she just was listening to me and she just said, I think Carly, like you need to give this a go. Like you need to give it a good go. And, um, you've decided to do this. And I think that you need to like, for yourself, you need to keep going. So I, I went on this journey of like stripping everything back and, you know, I didn't post for a little while. I just like took everything else away and just started doing it for my love of it. And I think that's when I started doing the big cats because it was something different. And I think when I relaxed into it a little bit more, that's when I really started to, you know, get somewhere with it. And yeah, I think that whole mindset shift is just completely different. Like if you're going to leave your job to become an artist, like don't have the mentality of like, oh, it's going to happen for me in three months or a year. Like it'll, I, it'll happen in like five years. Like I think having a, like a long term mindset and having a mindset of like longevity and like, this is what I want to be doing when I'm 50 and when I'm 60, like this year or this two years that I'm like establishing all of this, like it's just um, a blip in the scheme of things. So I think if you can just reset your mindset and just get real patient and work really hard and do it for the love, I think that is a heaps more healthy way to look at it because yeah, I think it's so easy to get so caught up in like what everyone else is doing and seeing all these amazing artists on Instagram. But um, yeah, I think just continuing to just, yeah, do it for you and, and yeah, doing it because you love it more than anything. Wow. I appreciate you, you sharing that very much. That's, that's, it's, it's a very vulnerable place to mm, yeah. admit that, especially when, you worked at Channel Nine, correct? Channel yeah, Nine yeah, News. Did, yeah. yeah, see, we did our research. <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, I I had a friend when I was there who I met who worked at Channel Nine as a tech commentator, but I don't okay. know anything. Amazing. I don't know anything about the whole the whole TV industry. It all seems, yeah, it all seems very rigid and very methodical. Yeah, and very process driven. Yeah, um, and I can totally understand how people would look at you and say, well. Why are you leaving this mm. well-paying, salaried job? Like, why? It it almost yeah. it almost doesn't make sense because there's there's the common notion of a starving artist. Yeah, 100%. Um, especially now with like the prices of of life in general, life's very expensive. Yeah, and to leave a full-time job mm. in a in a challenging job market where jobs aren't exactly the easiest thing to come by anymore. Yeah. That's a hard thing to convince people to say, no, I'm what I'm doing is right for me. And they say, well, how you're not going to have any money. You're going to be yeah. a starving artist. You're going to, yeah. how are you going to support yourself? Mm -hmm. 
but you have the confidence that you know it's right for you and you have that long-term goal. Yeah, that's it. And I guess, yeah, like it came from a place of like, I got to a point in my career where I was like, um, so I was producing and editing TV commercials and like I did a bit of camera work as well on the side and my job was mainly like, um, organizing a team and going out to shoots and then editing everything and and going back and forth with clients. So it was very, very corporate. And I think I did learn a lot of my like work ethic from there. Like we worked so hard and had a really great team and, but it was very toxic as well at times. Like you get really caught up in, you know, all of the office politics and all of that. And I just found that really draining. Um, But yeah, I got to a point where I was like, I feel like, there's a few people that can do my job as an editor and as a videographer. Like there's probably quite a few people in Australia that can do that job. But what I do as an artist and what I can bring to the world as an artist, I feel like only I can do that. So it got to a point where I was like, I can either live my life for other people and and live out of fear or I can do what I believe in. And it's going to be uncomfortable for a bit. Like I moved home to start it out and, you know, those early days were hard but I just had this like deep feeling that like if I don't do this no one else is going to do it like no one else is going to create the work that I want to see in the world so I think that's yeah that was like my my deep feeling of like yeah that's what really motivated me and yeah would you say that was your that was your why then or that is your why yeah, um, I think so. Yeah, getting where where you are now and continuing to to grow that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And that's the fact that you're able to understand and articulate your why. Um, mm-hmm. I think is really admirable because not not a lot of my friends are artists in the traditional sense where they don't work a full time like. If they are an artist, they work a full-time job and they paint on Saturdays and maybe they paint on Sundays too because they have a yeah. bit of free time. But no one's doing it seven days a week. No one's doing it as a full-time totally. thing. With that's Their sole source of income mm. is the work that they create. I would love to get to that point at some day. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I have to think about that. Well, yeah, it's hard because I felt, I felt like there was two modes of thinking, like my corporate world I would draw after work like till the very early hours of the morning because it was kind of like respite like I would be at work all day being at a job that didn't fill me up or didn't inspire me and I'd come home and just draw and be so tired but it was worth it but like I felt like I had to do it like all or nothing like I couldn't do a little bit of channel nine and a little bit of drawing because I wouldn't do either one of them properly so I guess um, it worked well for me because I had a good opportunity and I, I had the option to like go home and do it that way, which a lot of people don't have that. But um, yeah, like I have done casual work on the side as well, just to keep it all going and doing like freelance videography and, you know, doing random jobs like one day a week. But um, for a long time, I was talking to my manager at Channel 9 just saying like, can you please make me part time? Please do can I just work two, three days a week? And she was just like, no, no, like it's all or nothing, Carly. We need you a hundred percent or nothing. And I was like, well, like, gosh, you can't make me choose because I will always choose my art. hundred <laughs> yeah. percent. So yeah, like for me, I wasn't able to do it 
on the side unless yeah that's just me though but yeah not everyone has that opportunity to, to like do it at home so yeah yeah which is unfortunate because I'm sure there's some people out there that would thrive off of that mm. knowing they have these the, yeah. the safety net of a full-time salary yeah. job and totally. maybe they don't have to worry about it as much but mm. and this is me assuming and projecting but and you'll be able to speak to this more articulately because this is the this is your experience but knowing that it's your only source of income Mm. is the work that you're making yeah that's got to light a fire and you've got like you have no choice but to do that yeah there's no there's no I don't feel like doing this today (laughs) yeah literally yeah you can't no you you can't can't afford to do that is there ever a point where that um, starts to dwell on you? Like there's the common adage that if you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, 100%. But like, I mean, it is work. Like Wednesdays I, I edit and that's like just so draining. Like going through like, because I film an artwork just coming together, that's like, hours and hours and hours of just me drawing so like go like wading through all of that footage and putting it all together is like a bit of a slog on those days and like doing all the social media content like I don't really enjoy doing social media it's actually really hard for me to put myself out there and constantly be like making posts and stuff but um I guess I don't I don't know if I 100% agree with you'll never work a day in your life because it's still work and it's still um, hard, but it's always, it just feels like it's worth it. Like you just, you're like, it's hard, but this is what I love and this is what I've chosen. So it's just like a different vibe, you know, it's a different feeling of working and yeah, I I don't know. I, I guess I just, I love what I do. So yeah, still work though. It's, it's working with conviction. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And that's, that was brought up on the podcast probably over 300 episodes ago from one of our friends. She lives in Hong Kong. Oh, cool. And she said the one of the most valuable lessons that she learned was to do work with conviction, whether or not you enjoy it or whether or not it's fun or it's easy or if it's hard. Mm-hmm. The important thing is that if you do it with conviction, then that's a check marks across the board, yeah, um, so to speak. Now, we, we do want to be respectful of your time. We're coming up on an hour now and we don't want to keep you too much longer because you live by the ocean. And <laughs> do, you, do you swim? Do you surf? Do you get yeah. into the water at all? Yeah, I love the ocean. Like I'm always at the beach. Um, do a little jealous. bit of surfing, snorkeling. Um, I just, yeah, I love being in the ocean. Yeah. Now, not to get too sidetracked, any, any interesting encounters with um, marine wildlife? recently um, there's often quite a few dolphins around and um <laughs> i mean what's whale season whale season's like august september i think so last year we were just seeing whales all the time like off the coastline and wow. stuff but yeah i have a lot of friends that surf and um, go kayaking wow. and go like yeah really close to the to the whales and the, the dolphins and stuff yeah but it's pretty like sketchy some of some of the wildlife isn't as inviting. <laughs> no, there's, yeah. I was going to say, do you get, do you get many shark um, 
watches over where you are? Uh, yeah, my dad is really into fishing. So he has a big boat. He goes out to sea. Like there's like 30 k's off, off um, the coast. And he's just constantly having shark encounters. And they're always getting caught up in his line. And yeah, it's crazy that they're everywhere. Oh, yikes. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've got a few lighthearted questions here. Yeah. Because this was always pitched to me as a as a Canadian living in Australia, there was, and living primarily in Melbourne, but also spending time in Sydney. Oh yeah. It seems like there's a Melbourne versus Sydney rivalry in terms of yeah. who's the best city. Yeah. In your opinion, what, what do you pick? What do you pick? Um, I would have to say Melbourne, 100%. Nice. Um, <laughs> I think Melbourne's heaps more like arty, and eclectic and just different I feel like there's so many artists in Melbourne and Sydney is great too but it's also very like it's more corporate and business driven so I feel like if you yeah I feel like Melbourne's maybe a little bit more cultured and just out there and fun so yeah definitely Melbourne definitely. and also totally the grid agree. structure of the city is so good like it's just all a grid and there's just yeah really great trams and mm. stuff so yeah it's easy to navigate too because there it's like mm. king the street names all make sense. It's like yeah. King something, Queen, Victoria, this, yeah, this, that. That's it. It all makes sense. And then Sydney is just like, it's just streets going everywhere. Like so many yeah. back alleys. It's just like a mess. <laughs> I tried to walk from my hotel, which was at um, Hyde Park, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. And tried to get to the Opera House. And it's literally, it's probably eight minutes down the road. Mm -hmm. It's very close. And I'm looking at this on the map and the map's taking me like 17 different directions. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, okay, this is not a, this is not going to be easy not on good. foot. Um, second lighthearted question is since Australia is the, I would call the pinnacle of good coffee oh, from yes. what I've experienced. Yeah. Canadian coffee sucks in comparison. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's your go-to order when you're, when you're at a cafe? Ooh, um, well, it's changed a bit over the years. Like day to day, I drink a long black. Like today, I'm drinking a long black. Um, that's like my go-to. But if I, I'm at a, like a good cafe with good milk, like I drink macadamia milk or almond milk, and if they've got this certain type of milk that I love, I'll get a latte. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Are you a uh, are you a are you an Australian that likes Vegemite at all? Yes, I love it. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Check marks all across the board. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. <laughs> My my claim to film and television is that I was a sock puppet actor for a Vegemite <laughs> Father's Day commercial. Were you really? Two years ago. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> awesome. So the place that I did my media or like my school internship at, yeah. um, Vegemite was a client and they were doing, it was called Happy Little Socks and then you would buy yeah. You'd get a jar of Vegemite and a little, uh, a box of two socks that had Vegemite jars on it. Yeah. And the whole premise of the video was on a Vegemite yellow background, these two sock puppets pop up and they're reading off of a script. So they didn't have a, they had the budget to film the video, but they didn't have a budget to get extras in. Yeah. And so me and my, my boss, Tommy, were sitting on the floor on a mat underneath the camera, poking our arms up at odd angles. Yeah trying to mouth along as this audio script is being played and apparently it went over Instagram and apparently it went on TV and that's oh, I love my, that. that's my claim to fame is <laughs> so your puppet was the most animated <laughs> I, I like to think so oh, I, I love like to that. think so. so good. um 
that's the extent of my of my um, film and television career. That's great. But to get back on a somewhat serious note before we wrap things up, mm-hmm. um, you've got an exhibition coming up mm-hmm. soon. It's yeah. local to you. So unless we can get on a plane and fly down there, we won't be attending in person. Mm-hmm. Don't tempt me because I will. Um, <laughs> what's like what goes into putting an exhibition together? Like what are you thinking about as that's on the horizon? Um, yeah, so much. Well, like my last two exhibitions were canceled because of COVID. So this is my first real exhibition as an artist, which I'm just so excited about. I'm very nervous. Um but yeah, I'm basically just getting a body of work together. I've done quite a few really big artworks. Um, and so now I'm working on some medium to smaller size artworks. Um, but at the moment, I'm I'm trying to get at least one to two artworks just like completely finished so that I can make invites. So I'm going to do like a an A5 kind of card uh, with an artwork on the front and all the information on the back. So I'm going to write like a little handwritten thing to people that I want to come so that's what I'm doing at the moment but there's just so much that goes into it like framing is um, not only takes a long time but it's also very expensive because the pieces are so big so I'm just trying to like make it all work and um, it's a bit of a risk as well like you don't know if the if the work is going to sell so yeah it's a bit of an outlay of um, costs and stuff but uh, I think it'll be worth it and yeah so I'm just trying to get the invites ready and all the pieces uh, to a good enough point so that they can get framed and yeah so it's uh, April 22nd um, in my hometown here in Lenox and yeah I'm gonna have an, an open night and um, yeah I'm just excited to celebrate you know being an artist and yeah even if I don't sell anything I'm yeah I'm happy already that's amazing the yeah. fact that it's your the fact that it's your first will be your first real exhibition now that it's not being canceled because of COVID anymore. Yeah. That's like you said, even if nothing sells and it will, I I guarantee (laughs) it. Even if nothing sells, having an exhibition in your name Mm. for the first time ever is that's not, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah. Like no matter which way you look at it, it's a big deal. Totally. And that's (laughs) April 22nd. So I've made note of that. That's very exciting. Is there going to be a virtual element to it for people who aren't able to join? Like, is there a, I've seen some galleries do like live streams or walkthroughs of spaces, but is there anything in the works for that? Um, I was thinking of getting one of my friends to just go on my Instagram and just do a bit of a live walkthrough um, and, you know, just kind of show the pieces and, and the space and everything. Um, so yeah, I definitely think I'd like to go live on Instagram. That freaks me out <laughs> doing a, a live. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think I'd like to do that, but I, I'm also filming everything leading up to it and I'm going to do like a little YouTube video, especially on, on the week leading up. Um, and then, yes, yeah, so I'll just get someone to film, uh, the night and yeah, I, I'm excited for that YouTube video. I think that'll be great because I just love seeing like events and things coming together. So yeah, it'll be a good one. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch that video (laughs) and you've got to, you got to keep notifications on, on, um, on Carly's YouTube channel. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, one thing that I'm, that I want to know, and I'm just, I'm curious about it is who do you, 
look at as an ins- as inspirational figures, whether that's through social media, through art, mm. through just their personality of who they are. Like you've your friends and your family have come up quite often. Um, yeah. But is there anybody outside of that circle that you look up to? Um, yeah, so I think over the last year, I've really um, immersed myself in learning about the old masters. So, you know, academic drawing and and all of the, the greatest drawers and painters of the world. I, I'm dissecting their work and figuring out why they're amazing and why they're good. And that has really influenced my practice as well. It's really helped me to open up my own ideas of what is good and what's yeah what's amazing and stuff so that's what I'm trying to do at the moment but apart from that um my art mentor Angus McDonald he is amazing he does just incredible um oil paintings he does a lot of work with refugees as well so he's got a really um meaningful part of his work as well this like underlying um you know thread of helping refugees um so that's amazing and then an artist that has influenced me from a very early age is CJ Hendry. Do you know her? Oh yeah. Very yeah, she's familiar. A, very familiar. Yeah. She's a hyper-realist uh, color pencil artist um, from Brisbane and she's living over in New York, I think at the moment, but I came across her Instagram when I was 17. So ages ago. And she was at that time doing these really hyper-realistic drawings with pen. They were like this, um, pen sketches and uh she's just yeah amazing um yeah so I think what she's done as well she hasn't really worked with any galleries she's just done her own thing and that's really inspiring because she's sold all her work through social media and she hasn't gone to art school either she's just done it and figured it out and just created amazing work that speaks for itself so it's very inspiring and yeah I love her yeah she's I've listened to countless interviews and podcasts with her just because she's she's such a prominent figure and also uh very struggling with the word but not very traditional in the sense she like she has her whole copyright infringement series and put boxes of artwork all around the city and then posts it on social media Mm -hmm. and her work is selling for tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars yeah it's insane and yeah she just really doesn't give a fuck about what anyone thinks so she's just like I don't care like and people criticize her and she's like whatever like have a good life (laughs) and I love that it's like yeah it's great it's very carefree and that's like the ultimate definition of doing it with doing it with conviction she loves what she does she knows how she does what she does so well Mm -hmm. and she just embraces it and she goes for it it's amazing. And now as, as, as we're wrapping this up, uh, you, you have a drawing course. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, if someone's interested in taking that, like what can someone get out of that? If they're, if they're curious about it. Um, so it's the course that I've already got available is how it's like how to draw a large scale tiger with charcoal. So it's basically from start to finish, I break down every element of the drawing. It's, it's about 13 modules of like some modules are like two minutes, some are like 14 minutes and you can see exactly what I'm doing and like a voiceover and it's just um, pretty comprehensive tutorial. Um, so that's available. I think the link is in my bio if anyone's interested. And then the series that I'm working on at the moment, I've been working on some new techniques 
um, in creating the soft sweeping veils and, you know, blending charcoal and using charcoal and graphite together. So I'm going to create a new course on that. Um, anyone's interested in learning how to do that. Cool. That's very exciting. Charcoal versus graphite. Mm. What's the, like, what's the difference with that? Uh, graphite is what you use pretty much in school. It's just that normal lead, like HB to, what goes from like, you know, H, uh, 2H or whatever to like 9B. But the thing with graphite is that it's only ever gray and you get quite a bit of graphite shine when you use it, um, a lot of it. So graphite is great, but it's, it's quite limiting. Um, so I often layer it with charcoal to get those really dark values and it really makes the work pop. So, um, but yeah, charcoal is quite chalky and grippy, so it can be really hard to blend. So I often layer it with graphite to get that silky kind of flawless effect. Wow. Super. See, you're learning something new every day. (laughs) That's fantastic. Um, if, if people want to connect with you online and whether it's peruse every single one of your TikToks and peruse every (laughs) single one of your YouTube videos and give them all a like and subscribe, (laughs) or they just want to say, I appreciate the work that you're doing and I, Mm. and I really enjoy it. Where's the best uh, places for people to connect with you? Um, Yep. So my Instagram is uh, carlyrenee.art, the same on TikTok. And then YouTube is just carlyrenee. Fantastic. And any any um, hint as to what next week's video is going to be or the, uh, the next um, most upcoming video is going to be? It is, I actually don't know. <laughs> Monday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's going to be a little bit of everything. I've just on Saturday, I came in and um, was completing this last artwork. So I have found her face, which is great. And it's starting to really look like her. So I'm excited about that. I'm going to go buy a chair from the furniture store today. Um, so I might do a bit of filming of that process. Um, yeah, I actually don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're truly living on the edge. Living, living on, on the, the edge. edge. Yeah. That's it. Literally just, just laid back. <laughs> you live by the ocean. Yeah. We, we get it. The laid back <laughs> life. That's what it's like in Lennox. Yeah. Um, Carly, that was fantastic. That was so much fun. Um, <laughs> I won't speak for Zach, but I'm very grateful that you've you've lent so much time to us today. That was that was incredible. That was great. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really enjoyed that chat. And I, I love podcasts. I, I listen to podcasts and audiobooks all day long. So yeah, very excited to listen to all your episodes. Oh well, thank you. We, <laughs> I, I hope you enjoy them. Some of them are better than others. Some of them are just weird. That's great. We do talk about Australia quite a bit because uh, yeah. I, I I did I lived there for four months. Um, lots <laughs> yeah. of fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. We, we really appreciate that. Yeah. It was great meeting you. Great talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. It was awesome. Thank you. And, uh, stay there. We'll say goodbye off the air, but, uh, if anyone wants to get in contact with us, hi at bigdesigncompany.com is the email address. www.bigdesigncompany.com is the website. Hi.theprocesspodcast at gmail.com is our podcast specific email and Zach Watson. Yes, sir. What is our Instagram? Process underscore underscore podcast. Fantastic. And we will have links to all of Carly's stuff in the show notes below. TikTok, Instagram, website, YouTube, everything. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening. We will see you tomorrow.
Peace. The process.